Blog Talk Radio. Hey there, thanks for listening to the Big Time Talker podcast live from the home studio in Washington, D.C., which since it is now a home studio, it's more like my kitchen table with a microphone and uh, a brick that's holding it up right now. I'm Burke Allen. Thank you so much for being here. Uh, Big Time Talker podcast is service of our friends at speakermatch.com, the United States' largest online speakers bureau. If you're a meeting planner or you're a speaker and you're trying to figure this whole thing out, especially since most speaking engagements have been put on ice due to COVID-19. Log on to Speaker Match and find out more. We've talked to experts. We've talked to entertainers. We've talked to people that have lots of info. But never once have we talked to someone like our guest today on the Big Time Talker podcast. She is a contrarian. But I say that in the, the nicest sense of the word. Kate Daly hosts the nationally syndicated The Kate Daly Show which is very appropriately named, uh, live from Chicago and all over the U.S. of A. And Kate says, and I quote here, the mayhem due to coronavirus is greatly exaggerated and not much of a threat. And we'll start with that as we welcome Kate Daly to the program. Hey, Kate, thank you so much for being here. And uh, this should be an interesting conversation. <laughs> yes, it will be. I'm actually happy to be here. Thanks so much for inviting me. Well, you're welcome. So you're loaded for bear. You've talked to a lot of people, and I look at your guest list, and I mean, it's everybody from from Ben Carson on down. Um, and I wanted uh, to hear it straight from you and what well, you're sure. hearing that makes you believe that maybe this is much ado about nothing. Oh, absolutely. Okay, well, let's look at the big picture. And really, thank you for having me, by the way. Um, so we've had this thing for almost three months. That was when our first case came about in the United States. So about 90 days is what we're kind of embarking on right now. And some of the big numbers that the press are saying are 2.6 million people worldwide have tested positive. And in the United States, um, the active cases today from the WHO, uh, from the World Health Organization, land about 699,000 cases. So they keep saying the 2.6 million, right, because that's a larger number. But what does that actually mean? What does it mean when people test positive? Because this is a, this is a virus that has a 98% on average recovery rate, success rate. So first of all, one of the misnomers that we have out there is that that can be a pandemic. A pandemic could never have a rate that is so high in recovery of people that have mild symptoms or no symptoms at all, walking around just fine. But you're not going to hear that from the media. The media is going to give you the big number testing positive. Oh, my gosh, even though they don't say what that means. And then they'll give you the number of deaths. So in the United States today, they have 46,000 deaths, okay? In, in standards of population, 331 million people, that's not actually a lot of deaths to have because worldwide even, we have about 500,000 deaths for flu and about 650,000 deaths for respiratory. So it's actually kind of a small portion of that. So here we have a problem. And, and actually, a, a listener brought this up to me uh, the, uh, last night, actually. I just answered it and said, well, why is New York, why does New York have half the deaths, basically almost about half the deaths in the United States? What's going on in New York and Italy? 
Well, in Italy, February 9th, according to their own health institute, they stopped reporting the flu. They had like 4 million cases of the flu, and February 9th, they had 700, over 700,000 cases of the flu. But after February 9th, basically stopped reporting the flu cases. They started reporting everything as COVID. Well, they did 200 autopsies. This was about a month ago. And they reported that only two of them actually had COVID, but they were all marked COVID. So we're, we're seeing a problem of deception because a pandemic cannot jump and know that you're going to only hit a New Yorker. You're only going to hit the people in Italy that are average age of 85 years old. You're only going to hit certain, certain, certain things. You can hit a certain demographic, and the demographic across the board worldwide seems to be older with other illnesses going on. But in New York specifically, I think there has been a lot of deception. They just announced that 77% of the uh, flu numbers they expected did not happen. They went down, mysteriously just went down. There's a problem with that um, because now we've filled the void with COVID. (laughs) So I do sense some issues going on with how New York is reporting the numbers. Chicago just came out on Monday and said, well, yeah, we're marking things like heart attack for, for COVID if you test positive for COVID. There's a problem with the reporting, and Debbie Burks has admitted it multiple times. I've got it on tape. We've got health departments admitting it, not just Illinois, other health departments too, saying that we're marking things for COVID because when you mark for COVID, what it means is there is not a actual strain test for COVID. There can't be because they have to do animal testing for at least a year to two years when they're trying to discover this, this strain test. So the tests are either math algorithms, AI, which is like best guess, or you're testing for corona. Well, corona is like a, a basic generic cold virus test. It's the same test they used in SARS 20 years ago. They still don't even have a strain test for SARS, believe it or not, from 20 years ago. So what they're basically doing is they're testing positive, which a lot of us could test positive. It doesn't mean anything. So when they say 699 active cases in America, what does that mean? Well, it means that a lot of people are walking around just fine or had mild symptoms. I actually had those symptoms in January. I had all the symptoms of COVID. And when I went to the doctor, the doctor said, well, You've got, uh, you know, you've got this weird respiratory strain, and I've seen 25 people with it, and it'll be a few days, no medication, you'll get over it, it's just fine. And, you know, that's exactly what happened. Went home, drank Gatorade, slept, I even had the shortness of breath, and then I was fine three days later, not a big deal. Why is that? Because most people in our country have a pretty healthy immune system. And the reason that we have a healthy immune system is we're around illness all the time. And we knew this three months ago. We lost our ever-loving minds for the last three months. But somehow we believe healthy people can give healthy people something that they don't have. But along the way, uh, we've always realized we had these great healthy immune systems, right? And so for some reason, they told us that this was the big boogeyman killer disease spreading rapidly, and even healthy people can get it. So overnight, our entire nation became frail and sickly and part of the vulnerable class. That's a problem because we're believing that we have to social distance. We're believing that we don't have an immune system anymore. Back in January, they said 23,000 people had just died in the whole three months, you know, uh, from November to January. Nobody batted an eye. Nobody batted an eye. Why? Because we have a healthy immune system. 
when when you were sick, Burke, the last time you were sick, how many people around you got what you had? If you had the flu or whatever it was, how many people actually got sick, even when you didn't know you had something? Wow. Wow. Yeah. Kate Daly yeah. asking the big question. Hmm. <laughs> Right. How many people? Probably not a lot. When I had the flu last time, my whole family didn't get it. I share a bed with my husband. He didn't get it. My kids didn't get it. Right. So we have these healthy immune systems to ward off things. We're all pretty healthy. So here's the deal. When you look at the who numbers, what is the press not telling you? This is what the press isn't telling you. There is an active active case column and it says 699,000 cases today. Guess how many the column next to it says that says serious or critical cases? These are cases that aren't really necessarily all in the hospital. They're just cases that have other stuff going on, too. That's why they, that's why they categorize it serious. And they munch the two categories together, serious and critical. Guess how many? 14,000. Out of 699,000 cases of people walking around just fine or they were home in their jammies, drinking Gatorade, watching TV, getting over their their three- or four-day or five-day cold, um, we only have 14,000 people in the entire country today that are serious or even considered critical. Now, if you think about it. All right, all right. Hold on a second. (laughs) Yeah. Kate Pally is on today. She, she's wound up about this, and understandably so. There's lots of information coming from both sides. And by the way, if you want to join the conversation, our number 516-418-5635, or you can send us a, a note in our chat room. We'd love to talk to you. Um, sure. I, I have to ask right up front, because there are all these questions spinning around in my mind. You're not denying that COVID-19 is no. a thing. It's a legitimate thing. You're saying that the number of people affected is a little fishy. Is that right? The number of people and the severity of the problem. Because when I went into the doctor and he said, oh, I've seen 25 of you. We get new strains all the time. We, have a, we always have new strains. This is nothing new. And these symptoms are really nothing new. It's just a combination of symptoms that are attributed to a different strain. Yeah. So there are younger people, though. Clearly, the the preponderance have been folks in their 70s and 80s, but there have been younger folks who have passed away from COVID. Uh, I know a a kid in my hometown back in small town, West Virginia, was 25 years old. Now, I I don't know him personally, knew his parents. It was a tragic thing. So what say you about the folks who are younger that, that get this horrible disease and go? Are you saying that they don't matter? No, absolutely not. What I'm saying is, is look at this in context. I got, I got uh, pneumonia when I was really healthy in my 30s, okay? I got pneumonia. Just all of a sudden got it. It was a really severe case. Um, I've known teenagers that had pneumonia, just healthy teenagers. So it can happen. We have 160,000 deaths every year from respiratory, okay? It can happen. It can happen to, to any of us, but it is not something where it's happening all the time. It's not something where it's so rampant that we'd have to shut down the entire economy for it. It's not something that is so prevalent that it is taking over. You're going to have random cases every so often of illness hitting somebody that hits them hard. So I'm not saying COVID doesn't exist. COVID is a thing. COVID is a a different strain. But at what point do you say, well, you know, we could have 23,000 deaths or 50,000 deaths from the flu. We have this many deaths from COVID, but we're going to take down the economy for COVID. It doesn't make sense because the numbers are not there. If you had people around you that were honestly dying, you could see it. It's like the plague. People were, were falling in front of you. 
then we would all get it. You wouldn't even have to have a hyped-up media telling you the numbers every day, the death toll every day. You wouldn't need that. You'd see it in front of you. But random deaths here and there happen. They happen all the time. They've always happened. So it's nothing different. Nothing Kate Daly is our guest today, and, and we're, we're talking about this COVID-19 thing. And uh, Kate, so, so you're a member of the media. I'm a member of the media. You're attacking the media a little bit. What, why? Okay. Why do you think this is happening? You know why? Because they all seem to be in concert on the same note from the very beginning, and that was hype and fear. But think about it this way. When was the last time the media said we only have 14,000 cases of serious or critical? You don't hear it. You know what you hear? You hear... We're running out of ventilators. Well, how could that be if only 14,000 people are identified by the WHO as serious or critical, and a portion of them would even need a ventilator, and we have 160,000 ventilators in the country? We're not running out of ventilators. We have a million beds in the country in hospitals. We're not running out of beds. People are going to their hospitals, and they're filming them kind of empty, to tell you the truth. We have hospitals that are losing money. So every day, because they've canceled elective surgeries, they don't have their regular patients coming in, and they don't have a flood of COVID. And we've been in this thing almost 90 days. That should tell you volumes. So we have a reporting problem, and the reporting problem seems to always center on two numbers, active cases, even though they're not telling you what that means, and death, but we're not even putting it in context in the media. They won't even bother to give you the context next to flu or respiratory. They don't even bother to do it. They don't want you to critically think. Pandemics don't know how to target a certain state, yet New York seems to be the only people with 9 million people that are having this outrageous problem. I think it's an accounting problem. I think it's a, it's a let's mark everything COVID problem, to tell you the truth, because the, we have 24 states in our entire country that have under 100 deaths marked COVID. That's half of our states in the United States. When was the last time the media told you that? So doesn't it make sense to you, though, Kate, that, that uh, and we're talking to Kate Daly today on the program, that New York City would be a somewhat unique uh, place because there's so many people living on top of one another. I mean, I know that you live in a, a pretty rural area. I grew up in a very rural area, although I live in, in D.C. now that's a lot more populated. But there's a mm-hmm. unique living situation, especially in those five uh, boroughs and, and in New Jersey, where there's a lot right across the river there. Wouldn't you think that that would lend itself to this rapid spread? If you think about all those tiny grocery stores and bodegas, all the mass transit, the subways, the buses, doesn't that make sense that it would be worse there? Well, one would think so, wouldn't it? But the media is not pointing out that India has not had any kind of severe problem and their conditions for sanitation are much worse than New York. In fact, Hong Kong never had any significant problem. They're living on top of each other too. So we have a lot of places around the globe that have not been hit, do not have an issue. And guess what? They're not having a problem, but New York is. So the money that the hospitals get, they get between 160000 to $300,000, according to the Minnesota senator that was interviewed on Fox News. They get money for COVID patients. They also get $13,000 from Medicaid for being COVID, marked COVID, and they also get $40,000 for a person on a ventilator. There's kind of a big incentive here to also mark COVID, even though COVID is not the cause of death. In most of the articles you'll read across the country, it says died in relation to COVID, died assumed COVID. Yesterday, there was a story on the Bronx that said 55 people in a, I'm sorry, Brooklyn, in a Brooklyn uh, nursing home died, and it was assumed to be COVID. They weren't even testing. 
we have an accounting problem for COVID trying to push the number up because I'll tell you something, Burke, we had all these states, even my own, I'm from California, by the way, they're not having a significant problem with 40 million people. But anyway, my state declared an emergency and we didn't even have a case, not even a single case. That went on throughout the entire country. They moved in without even evaluating some of the steps they were taking against the citizenry. They didn't even wait 24 hours before the next move was made to try and do lockdowns in states that didn't even have a severe problem. So I think one of the things we have to start asking is, why, do, why are they doing this then? What's the end game, right? What's the end game? What do they want? Why would they go to this much trouble to declare emergencies in states without even an issue? Why do we have 24 states in the entire country that don't even have 100 deaths marked COVID, but they're in lockdown? So we have a severe problem. We have a couple of problems. Number one, we have an airline industry that's being given bailout money. And guess what? For the first time in history, the government wants ownership for the bailout money. This was just in MarketWatch. They just reported this. We have industries, as the Secretary of Treasury just announced, that are going to be ripe for nationalization, but he was going to wait until the summer to tell us which ones. I think we can clearly see the airlines moving in that direction. Are we going to be flying USA Air from now on? USA government airlines? We have a problem with that. The other problem we have is their big solution. Gates, I don't know why he's running the world because he's a computer guy, but he's in charge of our health and education right now. He's telling us that a vaccine is going to be the only thing that works. It's the only thing. But guess what? People aren't clamoring for a vaccine. We're not asking for one. They're trying to shove one down our, our throats, but we're not asking for it as a populace. So we even have an illness where 98% of the time the treatment for COVID is sit in your house and drink Gatorade. They don't even have a medication for it because it doesn't require it, but they're pushing vaccine. They're pushing vaccine with an ID number so that we know who's vaccinated and who's not. Why? To fly? To go places? To enjoy your regular life? Because they keep calling this the new normal. And they've already announced 18 months of lockdowns coming. They're going to lock down, I think, for the flu in the fall. They're going to say the numbers are rising in order, to, uh, in order to combat this. We're going to go into lockdown for a month. So we have we're, going to, we're going to look at continuous lockdowns, and they say the only way to bypass continuous lockdowns and destabilization of our small businesses across this country and for people that are going to have to require money coming in to cover their rent, a vaccine is the only thing out, way out of this. I see some big, huge problems with what they consider the end result to this. That is a big problem for me. Nationalization of industry, that's, that makes us two steps away from Venezuela. And then we've got vaccine is the only answer? I don't think so. People don't even want one for this because there's no medication for it. It's ridiculous. 98% recovery? You can't have a pandemic with 98% recovery. doesn't work. Maybe it's a beginning it's pandemic. I have a friend who works in the medical field in St. Louis, mm -hmm. and he said, look, if this was going to happen, thank God it was this one that has a, a much smaller uh, fatality uh, total, and, and uh, then we can figure it out. But I have to ask you, Kate, uh, and I like you. You're a smart lady. You're not screaming and yelling. Um, oh, you keep referring to they. Who, who is they? Well, you've got they the government. 
Yeah, they, you, you've got several in the government. You've got uh, the media. You've got Bill Gates and his crew. Let me give you a for instance, okay? Social media, right. uh, social distancing. Why are we social distancing, Bert? Well, Gates paid for the Institute for Health Metrics and Evaluation out of Washington State. They're the ones that came up, they're analysts, they're computer analysts, by the way, not medical professionals, came up with social distancing as an experiment, okay? So when they came out with this, they even admitted, because I've read the study and posted it, they admitted that it had nothing to do with transmission. It had everything to do with your phone location. Why? Because your phone would go into a city, and they would say you were around X number of people. And then you would go home to a suburb, and it would say you're around X number of people. This is how they were quantifying social distancing. They even admit it has nothing to do with age, nothing to do with transmission of an illness, nothing to do with a healthy person versus a, a sick person, nothing. It was solely based on grabbing the uh, good data intel from Facebook on your phone location and following you around to see where you would go. And then that would quantify the crowd you were around. That was it. So they went to the states and they convinced all the governors of the states to go with this new predictive model called social distancing. When you're a healthy person, you cannot give another healthy person an illness. It's impossible. You can't give them something you don't have. And even if you didn't know for 14 days you didn't have it, it doesn't matter because they're going to just be fine after 14 days anyway, most people. So we're doing something that has been completely revolutionary in a very bad way across our whole country and across the globe, and that is incorporating social distance into our life. But who's at the helm? Who's at the helm is Bill Gates, who paid for it, Bill Gates, who they shove a microphone in his face every five minutes to report on what's going on, Fauci, his crony, and Burks, who works for Fauci. These are the people running our country right now. It isn't President Trump. And I give President Trump a lot of credit because he's done some amazing things in the middle of this when he's had everything thrown at him from impeachment to uh, Russia to everything under the sun. But guess what? Who's really running things? It's the health departments, it's Fauci, it's Burks, and it's Gates. These so how are the can that be? If the president says, look, you know, I've got total authority, does, does the president have total authority or is, is he a weak president? You know, I don't know if he's a weak president, but I think when you have a people that's been brainwashed by regular media so much so that they think they're going to get a killer bug even though they're totally healthy, you have the populace, 331 million people, clamoring for Trump to shut everything down because they've been convinced by a bought-and-sold media out there, then, yes, we have a severe problem, don't we? Because we have you have Trump who's fighting all of the, the, the corrupt swamp-level individuals inside of D.C., then you've got a populace telling him, yeah, lock it down. So who, who, who is he going to – I mean, how would, you, how would you come out of that corner? I think he's doing what he can do. I give him a lot of credit for that. But I think that he's been locked into a corner, and he's letting Fauci, for some reason, who's, by the way, been wrong every time. Every model that he's ever talked about on any virus since the Reagan administration, he's been wrong on predictive numbers, just like he was wrong on the USA saying we'd have 2 million deaths. And he just lowered it to 60,000. He has been wrong every time, but he's being given carte blanche to go with his recommendations? Why? The guy's been wrong his entire career. I don't you know, get there it. Was an, there was an article, Kate, that came out uh, about six weeks ago, and if memory serves me right, it was a Reuters or Associated Press article that said the, the reason that 
things haven't gotten as bad as originally predicted is mm-hmm. that when uh, when the government, when the White House uh, thought, okay, if we put out social distancing guidelines, only mm-hmm. half of America will buy into it. Instead, mm-hmm. over 90% of Americans bought into it and they did it. Ergo, mm-hmm. that shoved the numbers way down. What say you to that? Ah, gotcha. Okay. So in social distancing, because a healthy person can't give a healthy person something they don't have, and even if you're sick, you can't infect everybody around you if you tried. It's absolutely impossible to do that. I mean, look at the last illnesses you had. You didn't spread it to everybody because they have their own immune systems. Standing six feet from somebody that's healthy, and I'm healthy, doesn't do anything except give me an illusion of safety. It's kind of like the masks. They only cover the mouth, not the nose and the ears, so it's an illusion of safety. So we buy into this, and I think it speaks to the good credit of of Americans in general, that they would do this for their neighbor, that they would think, I'm saving a life, I'm going to do this, for some reason this makes sense to me, even though I know we have an immune system, this is going to make sense to me because we're going to control this thing. I don't think social distancing controlled a thing. I think our immune systems control everything. And the reason I say that is because look at the lunacy. You can go into a Walmart and you can speak with the cashier uh, a a foot away from the cashier to give them money, but you cannot go to church. Okay, there's a lunacy to the regulations. A woman was just arrested at a park in Idaho yesterday uh, for playing outside. We don't even have kids getting this. We don't even have any kind of evidence that you can get this on a playground. (laughs) So why did they shut down playgrounds? It doesn't make any sense. Why is Costco an immunity zone? Why is Walmart and the post office an immunity zone? But you have all these other places locked down and small business locked down. Let me tell you, Burke, they are making these these poor small businesses have to resort to government funding. And the more that they do that in all of the lockdowns that come, we are going to be in trouble with our small businesses because there's a lot of strings attached to that government money that they're going to have to start relying on in a lockdown. This social distancing did nothing. Our immune systems have kicked in like they always have in the history of ever, that we have always had a decent immune system. We are not all frail and vulnerable in this country. So social distancing did nothing except pacify people into thinking that they were helping their neighbor by staying in a lockdown and not saying anything about it. But we should have been So your gut this- tells you then that, that with, mm-hmm. uh, with Georgia opening back up, with Texas opening back up, it's yeah. all going to be fine and there will be no problems. I'm assuming you're all for this and it couldn't happen fast enough. Absolutely. And I'll tell you this, at the end of the year, you mark my words, I'll bet you lunch right now, Burke. <laughs> I'll bet you lunch that the numbers are no different uh, than they will be at the end of the year for respiratory and flu deaths because uh, flu went down and respiratory went down mysteriously and things are being marked COVID. We're going to end up with the same amount of deaths by the end of the year that we've always had and never really questioned. Yeah. I absolutely so if Disney World that. opened up tomorrow, you would take your kids huh? and your husband and off to Disney World with you on an airplane. No problem. 100%. In fact, I'm flying. My daughter had a baby, and I'm actually flying out. Yes. Hey, yes, I'm flying. Congratulations. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I have no problem. I have no problem with flying. I have no fear uh, because I feel like, you know what, I've got a great immune system that's always worked for me. And even if I got it, which I did in January, um, I got over it real quick because it has a 98% recovery. We may have to rename your show the Grandma Kate Daly Show now. What do you think? <laughs> Let's do it. <laughs> All right. Then, then one last question before we run out of time. Uh, parents, grandparents, you know, what what? <laughs> say you to the 
the folks that are elderly and may have pre-existing conditions and would be more vulnerable to this thing with the assumption, in fact, that it is much more contagious than, than the typical thing and a much nastier bug. I mean, would you be willing to risk your parents or grandparents on this? No. Great question. My father has stomach cancer, right? And he's been on chemo five years now, and now he's got skin cancer. So he's on chemo, and he's very, very careful, like he always has been. In fact, last year, he would say, can I come to dinner? Has anyone been sick at your home? Those people that are vulnerable in that very small class of vulnerable and the elderly already know that they need to be careful. They already know this, and they already live their lives according to that like they always have. And I encourage that because no matter what, you can get an illness that wipes somebody out, but it wouldn't wipe me out. I'd only have it for three days or so. They would not. I also have a sister who's got a a severely damaged immune system. She's very careful when she goes places. She makes sure that she is constantly washing her hands. She stays home a little bit more. We'll always have a vulnerable class of people. That is not going to change. And there is no real severity to this than there is to anything else. And why do I keep saying that? Because the numbers back me up. You have 14,000 serious or critical cases today in the entire United States. We're shutting down the economy for those 14,000 cases, most of which are in nursing homes. Most of which are in nursing homes. They're vulnerable. They're going to have an issue. So all I'm saying is, is look at it in perspective. Look at the numbers in front of our faces right now because it tells the tale. Everything you need to know is in the data. It's right in front of us, and we'll always have vulnerable. But the majority of us are not vulnerable. We're healthy. Kate Daly is the host of the Kate Daly Radio program. You can find her online at katedalyradio.com. And, Kate, maybe it doesn't have to be either or. Maybe we can, in fact, have an economy and be careful out there. I think that's the underlying message. Amen. Thank you, Burke. It was really a pleasure. Thank you for inviting me. Hey, enjoyed talking with you. If you'd like to be a part of the Big Talker podcast, we would always love your input and would appreciate it if you can visit with our friends at speakermatch.com who power the Big Talker podcast. Thank you so much for listening. For Kate Daly, I'm Burke Allen. Go out and make it a great day.